Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, guys. It's Arshan back for another special edition of the ADHD Care Podcast. I hope I find you well, whatever you're getting up to, and thanks for tuning in. Um, today, I have a special, very, very special guest uh, joining me today virtually. I have Stephen Sharp Nelson, famously known as the Cello Guy, from the classical New Age music group, the Piano Guys. Um, some of you who came to the recent um, international conference on ADHD over in, in the US in Baltimore last November know that um, Stephen was one of the keynote speakers giving uh, a talk at that conference and he had a standing ovation after his speech which is amazing um i couldn't wait to bring him on uh, for you guys to listen to his story his journey he's also uh diagnosed with adhd and um you know, as I said, he's an award-winning um, award billboard charting artist who's turned uh, the cello into like a YouTube sensation. So Stephen's music uh, crosses all kinds of genres. Uh, he invites audience from diverse backgrounds and tastes to experience the universal language of music. Uh, Stephen has graced stages worldwide, performed for over 2 million people as part of the, um, the legendary uh, group, The Piano Guys, and also captured hearts with his music uh, videos filmed in some of the most iconic locations uh, across the globe. So yeah, I shall be bringing Stephen on uh, to discuss all things ADHD and also find out his journey, musical journey, also uh, discuss with him about his uh, diagnosis of ADHD and how he embraces his superpower is, like, is how he likes to, uh, to call it. So let's bring Stephen in. Nice to meet you, Stephen. I'm Archie. Yeah, Archie, pleasure to meet you too. Yeah, thank, honestly, like I've just done like a little five minute introduction of you just there <laughs> before you came on. Just I'm amazed. Oh, great. Yeah, I was just amazed with your career and your talk at the International Conference on ADHD last last year at the, uh, in Baltimore. That, that That's what caught me and a lot of people at that conference. I'm sure you, you got the feedback, which is really, really amazing. And um, I was you. so excited to bring it on as one of our guests on our ADHD Care podcast. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here, Archie. Thanks so much for having me part of the show. Amazing. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> um, whereabouts are you in, in the world? So right now I am in my music studio in Utah. Okay. Uh, where I've, I'm born and raised and live most of my life and uh, where my family is. I love raising a family in Utah. It's a fantastic place to raise them. So yeah. this is a creative place for me. There's uh, of my cello my 41 cello collection i think you can kind of see a smattering of them around the room okay, but this yep. is where i 
this is where I compose music and often where I record music as well. Amazing. And I look forward to asking you lots of questions around that as well. Um, sure. So yeah, welcome to the podcast, as I said. So first of all, would you mind just sort of sharing your journey in, in terms of with um, ADHD and how it shaped you, uh, you to become who you are as a musician, or famous musician, actually. So yeah, because obviously you got your diagnosis of ADHD. So I'm very intrigued to know how that all sort of came about and your journey to becoming who you are. Sure, happy to happy to share that journey. I um, was uh, I grew up in a home that valued hard work and music, and my parents taught me how to work hard through music, and this ended up being very instrumental, pun intended, when it comes to me shaping who I was supposed to become. Uh, I believe that ADHD is a God-given gift that I have, and it's part of who I am, and it's part of the mission I need to fulfill in this life. It's part of my life calling. And as, I I've, as I've learned to magnify it, I've actually become even more the person that, I've, that I'm, I'm meant to become. So um, I, whatever your attitude is towards ADHD, I certainly have my days where I get frustrated with it. But it, if if when it really comes down to it, ADHD is part of the fabric of my very soul and what I'm supposed to become. And I love it for that. So I was diagnosed when I was in junior high. My father came to me and he just was noticing my grades were low. He noticed my friendships weren't sticking um, because my friends would be so bothered by my hyperactivity, constantly poking them. And I mean, seriously, I, I it was it was my dad coming to me. It was this traditional man uh, that that valued high grade education and was really concerned. And he said, Steve, I don't get it. You know, you're a smart kid. I can tell you're a smart kid and you're a fun kid to be around. You've got, you've got this great sense of humor and this quirky side to you that I think is really fun. And he said, why are your grades not cutting it and your friendships not sticking? And I said, dad, I have no idea. And I just leveled with him. As much as a junior high kid can level with their father, I just said, dad, when I'm sitting in my classroom, I'm looking around and everybody is like laser focused on the teacher. And all I feel like doing is like standing up, running around and slapping somebody. I mean, it's, it was, it was like legitimately a problem and I couldn't figure it out. And I really looked around and I was so frustrated that it looked like nobody else was struggling the way I was. So my dad took me to a psychiatrist who ran some tests and there's much longer story behind that. But suffice it to say, Long story short, he diagnosed me with ADHD, prescribed Ritalin, and um, but in the psychology of the day, ADHD, there was zero positivity surrounding it, number one. Number two, there was very little understanding surrounding it as well. Uh, you know, we're talking, this is what, 30 years ago? It's a long time ago. Wow. More than 30 years. So... Um, I actually felt, I, I walked out of that psychiatrist's office in tears. I remember distinctly being in tears because I thought what he had pronounced upon me was, you are broken. And right. here's a pill to fix you. And I didn't understand medication. I, I know in some cases it's very necessary and very beneficial. But in my case, I thought, this I don't want to take this pill because it just solidifies the fact that I'm broken. So I went to school and I would throw away the pill every day at lunchtime, not telling my dad that that's what I did. Um, but the good thing about it is it sort of snapped me into this reality of if my dad is this concerned and this psychiatrist is saying something's up, I need to figure this out. And so I really dived deep into music and discovered that music was the way for me. It was sort of this 
wonderful way of focusing my uh, by superpower, this ADHD superpower I had. And I learned that as I focused that, I actually could be ultra creative, happen to hyper-focus, and it became a, it started to become a positive thing. You, um, you literally answered the next question I was going to ask you there. So you, you refer your ADHD as your superpower. So how, how has your perspective changed uh, the way you approach music and creativity? based on that uh, analogy? Well, I love it because I talk, you know, in the international conference, I talked about self-suggestibility. And we, uh, I'll explain what that means. First, we look at our scatterbrained tendencies and it's easy to think of them as being negative. And sometimes they are perhaps. And uh, But for me, as I'm trying to be uniquely creative in the field that I'm in, I mean, I'm, come on, let's be honest. I'm this middle-aged dad playing classically influenced music videos in nature, and I'm surviving on the internet. I mean, that's a miracle. You know, I mean, if yeah. you think about it, so how have I made a unique niche for myself? Well, the way I've been, the way I've been able to make it is that I've gone outside of the conventional creativity that exists in the world. And instead of just sort of being derivative I've really branched out and found things that nobody else has been doing. And, and that I credit to ADHD because ADHD thoughts that are come flooding into my brain are often so unrelated that I can grab at them in a way that allows me to stretch beyond conventional creativity and relative creativity into non-relative creativity and, and, uh, a tap into a uniqueness that allows me to create a niche that nobody else has created. So if, for me, I call it my superpower because when I need to be unique, ADHD helps me get there. If you compare with your other band uh, members, do, do they have ADHD as well? Or is it just yourself with ADHD in, in the band? <laughs> no, they, they are, they're not blessed with this gift as much. No. Maybe they have a little bit of it. I mean, all, all of us have some something of it perhaps in a way, but yeah. um, they have other gifts that complemented who I was. You know, I was sort of the uh, energizer bunny and I would be constantly thinking of crazy. Now they had the, they had the gift of like fil helping me filter through the ideas because I had a lot of bad ideas. I mean, that's the thing about ADHD is you have to understand that you have this gift of prolificacy. You can be prolific. It just means that you have more good ideas than the average person, but you have to sort through more bad ideas as well. But just give yourself grace for that and understand that you're just putting yourself up to the plate and batting more times than the average person. And chances are, because you're up at the plate so much more, you're going to hit more home runs. It's just the way it works statistically. So maybe our batting average is lower, but if we're at the plate more, we're still going to hit more out of the park than somebody else who steps up to the plate far less. So we cannot fear failure. We cannot fear bad ideas. We need to hit them head on, sort through them, and treat them as ocean waves that either it's, either it's, it's one that can't take us into the shore or it can take us into the shore. And I believe that um, as in the piano guys, my other business partners, if you surround yourself with people that compliment you very well, and, and uh, they actually have helped me frame and shape and sort through a lot of these crazy zany ideas. I'm sort of the idea guy of the piano guys, but but there there's a dark side of that too. You know, I'm also the guy that gets burned out a lot, and I'm also the guy that comes up with the the worst ideas and and by function of the most ideas. So it's good to surround yourself with people that are gifted in other ways, 
besides you. It's nice to be around ADHD people because you feel like you belong. And I love that. Make sure you have that group. But when it comes to creativity, collab, collaborate outside of the ADHD circle for sure. And you'll find that your ADHD becomes additive rather than subtracting Absolutely, collaboration. Yeah. I'm fascinated with obviously the type of music that you fell in love with, obviously classical music. If you think back to that time <laughs> that you described when you discovered music, did you gravitate towards classical music or did you kind of go the pop music first and then kind of navigate it around to become obviously interested in classical? What was that I like? Love that. I love that question, Arshi. You know, I get, I, I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. I love that. What an insightful way to dig into my past. Thank you for being so thoughtful with that. I, this is a great story that you brought to my mind. Thank you for, thank you for bringing this up. When I was 16 years old, I finally had a car to drive. I'll never forget this. Uh, I, w I, I turned on classical music. And my friends in the car were like, dude, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is music. It's like, you know, it's some music I like. And they're like, no. And they started to bring their own music into the car when they travel with me because they were not so keen on classical music. So they'd pop in a U2 CD or a Sting CD or um, a James Taylor, like all of these incredible influences that started to make their way into music. The reason why I loved classical music, here is the reason. My father always had it playing in our house. And two, it is difficult to teach your child to love classical music other than one methodology. There's only really one way to do it. And it's to love classical music so much in front of your child that they can't help but pick up on it. And that is the way my dad and my mother were. Both my father and my mother loved classical music so much that it, 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 they, they effused this love in such a way that I couldn't help but pick up on it. So classical music was part of the very fabric of my creative being so that when my friends started to interject uh, these other influences, alternative rock. It actually just became, uh, it, it, it catalyzed my love for classical music because I recognized the contrast between the two. And I recognized immediately one thing. Uh, I went to a Bobby McFerrin concert. I'm a huge Bobby McFerrin fan. And he's like, you can't limit yourself to one kind of music throughout your life. It's like insisting on living in one room of your house the entire time you inhabit your house. It's like saying, you know what? I know I have a nice kitchen and a bedroom, but I'm going to stay in the bathroom the whole time. He says, you have to branch out. It actually increases your love for the music you love already by branching out and discovering other music. So I really discovered that out of all the music that you can listen to, variety is key, but also the nutritional and sugar content of each of the music, to use a food analogy because I'm a big foodie, uh, is it varies. And let me let me explain what I mean. I believe that classical music is the most nutritious music on the earth. I believe that when our brain is fed classical music, it actually improves its uh, in intellect. I think the intellect actually improves. But if I insisted on eating broccoli and zucchini my entire life, okay, that's fine. I think I would get maybe enough nutrition, arguably. However, it kind of sounds really boring and kind of sounds really homogenous. So when you mix in fruits, when you mix in desserts, when you mix in other things, uh, that complement the meal, but you do it in moderation, your life is enriched so much. And so when the piano guys came around, 
It was a natural process. We didn't sit down and say, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to have classical music and then we're going to stick pop in and we're going to make it popular for all kinds. Of no, no, no. It actually became, it's very organic. We were sitting down and we're like, hey, let's do an arrangement of, I, I'll never forget, arrangement of Rolling in the Deep by Adele. And we right. got to the second verse. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so boring because I can't change the words because this is instrumental music. So what are we going to do to change up the second verse? And all of a sudden, what surfaced in my mind, thank you to my ADHD self-suggestibility, which is which is the art of 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 not attention deficit, but attention abundance. That's really what we're experiencing, right? Because of that attention abundance, what surfaced to my mind was a beautiful classical melody that I had heard 10 years prior that would that had cemented itself on my psyche. And that all of a sudden I just started playing it. And it fit like a lock and key in this Adele arrangement. And it elevated it so tremendously. It was like having a green smoothie. Adele was like the fruit, Adele was like the fruit and the, the fruit juice and the fun stuff. But then all of a sudden I could add spinach and kale from classical music and I'm enjoying the flavor, but I'm also getting extra nutrition. That is the approach classical. That is the approach that piano guys has taken is we're sort of the green smoothie category. I guess you could say of music creation. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. You, you, you've covered a lot of tracks. You know, we can talk about... <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's the problem. If you just wind me up, I stop, I never stop. Just cut in whenever you need to. That's Sorry. all right. No problems at all. I was thinking about Taylor Swift as well. You've done a cover for that, haven't you? Yeah. Yes, that's right. We've got Every artist out there, I mean, every prominent artist out there, we probably have covered in some sort of way. And many times we've mixed in classical melodies you never suspect would be part of... I remember when we did... Um, uh, Sean Mendez and Tchaikovsky. You know, it was wow. so fun to put those together because it it was so challenging for me that my brain, this ADHD gifted brain, uh, and and please, those your listeners, you need to refer to your ADHD as a gift. It's not toxic positivity. It is reality. It really is. Yes, there are costs associated with your gift, but the gift is what we need to focus on. Because of my ADHD gift, I was able to interlock Sean Mendez and Tchaikovsky in a way that normally would probably be very difficult, perhaps more difficult maybe to a neurotypical mind because of the lack of self-suggestibility. I don't know. I'm 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 yeah. that's that's I'm postulating that, but I, I'm trying to emphasize that as you're creating, and if you're not creating, by the way, as a side note. And if you're feeling lackluster in your life or depressed, I promise you that if you have this gift of ADHD, you have to be creating something in your life in order to, to order to soar above the dark clouds that hit us from day to day. If you are not, I would love for you to pause this podcast or, or stop it at the end when you're finished. And I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to put words on that paper in whatever format you want. doesn't have to be perfectly lined. And I want you to list all of the things that you believe you'd love to create or you like the idea of creating. That could be writing, painting, music. It could be creating relationships. It could be creating mentor, uh, mentor-student relationships. It could be creating things that aren't necessarily conventional. And it, I, I am so confident that if you increase your creativity in life, you will increase your fulfillment, your happiness, and decrease your negative self-talk substantially. Yeah, absolutely. I was literally about to say, as you know, music is a very powerful tool for expression and for connection. Yes. Um, I was just going to ask you in terms of like, can you discuss how that's helped you to channel, to channel your ADHD into something quite positive and very impactful? 
Yes, I love that question. Um, Archie, you hit it on the head. I don't know how many of you out there uh, struggle with toxic perfectionism. It's rampant in classical music. Why? Because we're say we're playing the same music that thousands of people have played. Oh, no, no, no. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have played for the last 400 years. And you know what? I could I could throw a stone right now and hit somebody that plays the cello better than I do. I bet I could, especially in the classical music realm. So it's such a high pressure environment of, hey, did you hear how so-and-so played Beethoven last week? By the way, he's half your age. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like I got nothing. So a couple things to stress. One is that you have a work to do that nobody else can do. Do not seek after somebody else's job. If I'm going after Yo-Yo Ma's job, I'm only going to experience frustration because his job is taken. My job is to be Stephen Sharp Nelson. And whatever that means, I don't have to slap a label on that. But if I were to, I prefer being known as a storyteller, as an entertainer, rather than a cellist. Because in the cellist extreme definition of that word, Yo-Yo Ma blows me out of the water. He's one of my heroes. I love him, by the way. Um, so... <clears throat> Focus on you got to be you. You got to work to do that nobody else can do. Please consider that as you're, as you're experiencing self-talk. Talk back to your negative self-talk and say, hey, I have a work to do that nobody else can do. That's important. Number two is I love that word you just used, Archie. Transfer every single bit of mental energy and physical and spiritual energy you are pouring into perfectionism and switch it, pour it instead into expression. When you're creating something, create it for the sake of expression and lifting others and bettering the world rather than being perfect. I remember Yo-Yo Ma once told me, he said in earlier in his career, he sought for the perfect concert. His goal was to have the perfect concert. And he said one day after working very hard at it, he finally got it. And he said it was the most unfulfilling, boring thing he had ever experienced in his life. And that's when he switched his mental track to expression rather than perfection. And if you could do that in your creativity, you're going to save yourself a lot of angst. And it actually will, um, it will stimulate your ADHD mind instead of exacerbate the negative aspects of it. Yeah, 100%. Um Moving on to, in terms of the most iconic venues that you've performed worldwide as part of the Piano Guys, some of our listeners might not be familiar with some of these locations. First of all, yeah, do you mind just maybe just outlining some of these iconic um, f uh, places that you've performed at? Yes. Well, how far are you, where you are, how far are you from Royal Albert Hall? Not too far. So for me, I'm just outside of London, so not too far. Good. That's my favorite place. Amazing. That's my favorite place. Wow. Because... Um, you could tell that no expense was spared, uh, Queen Victoria's uh, effort to build it. But also in that, you could just see that there was a lot of heart in the design too. I think it was really sweet. Um, so that's my favorite place. And uh, very close seconds, of course, Sydney Opera House, Carnegie Hall, um, and Red Rocks. And if you ever get a chance to go to Red Rocks, if you're ever in the United States, in the Western United States, oh, that is, that is the, that's the best outdoor venue in right. the world. So Okay. You're basically sandwiched between two giant red rock mountains with 9,000 bench seats. I mean, it's just so incredible. And we've, we've, we've played there several times. We're playing there again in March of this year, in fact. Um, so, or was it May? Sorry, May. And um, 
So those are the iconic concert halls that we played. And we played in every country imaginable for, for the most part. Um, and, uh, but then we've also filmed music videos in front of four of the seven wonders. Yep. Uh, we've done Chichen Itza, Christ Redeemer statue, Petra, Great Wall of China. Um, and we've filmed in front of a bunch of natural wonders of the world. We filmed on cliffs, speeding trains, beaches. Uh, and what is the purpose of this? Uh, I remember once we filmed in the sand dunes and the biggest challenge we had was the piano is so heavy that we had to actually put planks down on the sand, push the piano onto one plank, then take the plank behind that and leapfrog it in front of the other plank. And we had to just, it was such a slow piece by piece move of that piano. And we had lots of adventures like this, but what we were trying to accomplish with that is you'll notice that you'll hear classical music in pop music, or you'll hear pop music in classical music when you listen to our repertoire. And that's not only to bring families together, because we love that. So a dad and a son could enjoy it, or a daughter and a mother. Like my dad is staunchly classical. Um, and he, we lost him a year ago to a vascular dementia, and I miss him very much. But I got him to listen to our music, and he, there he is listening to Taylor Swift and Adele and Coldplay. And, and he doesn't even know it, because he's hearing the classical side, whereas everybody else who likes the Coldplay and the Taylor Swift and everything didn't hardly even realize that they're being spoon-fed classical music at the same time. And so we got to marry those two places. But in this, at the same time, in our music videos, we wanted to take the piano and the cello out of their concert hall context and put them in a place you'd never expect to see them so that it would open your eyes anew to seeing familiar instruments in unfamiliar places. And that way, you could be out of context in your appreciation. And when we get out of our context, out of our comfort zone, we actually tend to be ready to appreciate something more. And so we discovered that taking the music out of context, taking the instruments out of their context, invented something that actually helped people really engage with the creative craft that we were trying to put out there. Amazing. How did that concept come about? Just to create, to come up with that concept, really, because you... You know, hearing about it, you were thinking, how can you get a piano, <laughs> like some of these locations? And I was watching the YouTube videos and I was wondering, like, how, how did you how did you do that? How long did it take you? <laughs> <laughs> well, at first we had zero budget and right. it was Paul Anderson, this guy that owned the piano store that we started in, that his his original intent was to sell pianos based upon, you know, using these music videos as an advertisement. And um the piano store went out of business. Like we never ended up selling pianos. That was the irony of it. <laughs> right. But, um, but what he wanted to do is he wanted to just, he, he was a, he's a risk taker. He's sort of an art of possibility thinker, but he's also just this guy that was noticing that on the internet, things that nobody had ever seen before were the ones that were grabbing attention. And so he said, well, I want he believed in my music and John's music, my pianist cohort. He believed in it so much that he said, I know that if I put you guys in a place nobody's ever seen a piano and cello and you play the music that you guys write, it will go viral. And he was completely confident of it. Because if you just put us in a concert hall, I think the chance of us reaching a lot of people still you know, had potential. But all of a sudden, if we were in a viral concept of a video, 
the music could stretch and reach far to far more places. And he was right. He, he was the one that called it in the first place. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> so how, how do you prepare for some of these um, high stakes performances? Like obviously bearing in mind you ADHD and how that plays a role in terms of your preparation process. Do you want to talk us through how you prepare for like performances? Yes. That's stage fright is a real thing. Um, I mean, if any artist says that it doesn't exist, I'd really question their sanity. <laughs> stage fright really does exist. And you have two approaches. And you can feel stage fright in anything, really. I mean, it's it's yeah. funny. The number two fear in the world, Archie, did you know this? The number two fear in the world is death. The yeah. number one fear is public speaking. Wow. <laughs> so it's even above death. Like, that's how, that's how wow, crazy really? <laughs> so if you have stage fright or if you get nervous in front of people, just know that you're not alone. I mean, that's that's really is the number one fear in the world. Above death, if you can imagine that. So um <laughs> so what I do to prepare, and this this is where I have to I have to be myself and I have to get spiritual with you. And I mean to say spiritual intently because you don't have to be religious to do this, but it may take some spirituality. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe it's real, and I believe that you don't have to necessarily be dogmatically religious in a particular religion in order to access that power and what it can do for us. I pray every time before I play. I pray every time before I write music, and my prayer, my intention, my visualization as I prayer, you can call it meditation if, if the word prayer is uncomfortable for you. I would hope that prayer isn't uncomfortable for you. I, ho I would hope that you would embrace it and discover its power. But as you pray, you pray on behalf of the people that you're playing for. You get out of your own head, your own ego. Then all of a sudden, the stage fright, you, you, you don't bury it. You have two options. You can either bury it or you can, you can befriend it and use it and understand that it's, it's getting you amped up in order to be at your best, which is the better, the better option. But as you pray on behalf of the people that you're trying, you're striving to help in your performance whatever that intention is, you'll find that stage fright becomes less of an adversary and more of a proponent of what you're trying to do. And, and then the key is to show up. I've had so many instances, Archie, where I tell you, and we're at the end of a tour and I'm on the side of the stage and I'm looking out at my chair there and the announcer is saying, you know, starting to announce the piano guys and, and I am so spent and I am just so overwhelmed and I'm tired. We just did a tour bus run for two weeks and I haven't slept at all and I haven't ate very well. And yes, this is the dream or whatever, but honestly, tour is so hard. I love performing and I can't stand the travel part of tour and the stress and always being on and those kind of things. But so I was on, I remember one instance in particular where I just, the announcer started and he said, we're like to welcome the piano guys to the stage and started introducing us. And I just said this prayer. And I said, God, I, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And I just got, I got nothing left. And I felt like curling into a ball and going to the corner and crying. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And the most beautiful impression, you can call it a voice, you can call it an impression, you can call it a thought whatever you want to call it, and came to me. And it was this voice, essentially, a feeling that said, my dear son, Stephen, 
when have I ever given you the impression that it's entirely up to you? You just go out on the stage and I will take care of the rest. You show up and I'll help. So I just did that. I walked onto the stage and I, I played. And the minute I started playing and I got out of that, that side stage problem of or a paralysis of, oh, I can't do this. The minute I got into the music and stopped thinking about all of the challenges and the wrong notes I potentially could play or the fatigue, I felt like I was playing six inches off of that chair. I just felt so lifted and carried and helped. And I promise anybody out there that's listening, if you are stuck in any kind of situation, use the power of prayer to project yourself forward, show up, and I promise you help will come. Mm. Yeah, powerful words. And that's something that resonates with me from your conference talk as well at the international conference, because you mentioned something about spirituality and, you know, if you are religious, you can pray, you can meditate, whatever you want to, um, whatever you want to do. Just in terms of your content, obviously it's reached billions of people on YouTube, you've got so many followers. How do you stay focused? Uh, and also the creativity side of it, how do you stay motivated? Because obviously there's this expectation, being who you are, that you have to create new content all the time and you're getting all this attention and expectation. How, how, how do you keep up on top of that? That is a very, that's the million dollar question right there, Archie, honestly, because... Uh, I've had so many instances where I've asked myself that same question and without hammering too heavily, prayer again is helpful being, making sure for me, if I am creating for the wrong reasons, burnout comes a lot faster. If I'm creating for fame or fortune or creating for um, the honors of others or the things of this world, I find that I get off my game. So for me, I actually feel like pursuing divinity, pursuing our best self, and that is health. For me, that's faith, family, and fitness. If those three are aligned, if I'm, if I'm focused on my personal wellness, my health, my family, making sure that they are not getting backseated with any of the stuff I'm doing, and my faith, making sure that my core values and beliefs are being uh, built and gr and gr I'm growing them. I'm not just letting putting them by the wayside and and coasting. If those three things, if I'm spinning those plates, I guess you could say, and they're spinning well, you could do anything in life. I swear you can go after anything and not feel like you and and feel like you'll sort of have enough to keep going. You know, some days it'll feel like an unending well. Some days it'll be more shallow, uh, where you're barely scraping by. But I have felt that if I'm off. And if I'm if I'm getting too much into the fear of it, if I'm getting too much into the pressure, then something about those three things is off. Maybe I'm I'm not giving enough time and attention or being present enough with my family, or maybe my faith, my prayers or my scripture study or my service of others is off. Or maybe I'm focusing too much on the fame or fortune aspect of my career and I'm not creating with the intention to help people feel hope because that never gets old. Or maybe I just simply am not eating right or exercising or getting enough sunlight. If one of those three things is out of alignment, I promise it'll be much much more difficult to attain the sweet spot. Think of it as a Venn diagram. You have three circles in your life. Let's decide what those three circles are. You've got If you don't know what those three circles are, you've got to start there. Because if you don't know what those three circles are, you're going to find yourself in a perpetual state of frustration, depression, and fatigue, and burnout. 
So for me, again, those three are fitness, wellness, family, and faith. And so when I find myself unmotivated, fatigued, upset, frustrated, selfish, something about the three of those is off. Yeah. You mentioned about family, um, being a father of four and a proud dad. <laughs> I've seen yes. your Instagram post. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, how, how does ADHD play a part in sort of family dynamics and being a dad? I'm just intrigued to find <laughs> well, out more about that. <laughs> I love that question because first, I have uh, all of my children exhibit ADHD tendencies, which I'm very proud of. Two of them much more so than the others. But um, empathy is such an incredible gift as a parent. If you have ADHD and you have a child that has those tendencies too or has the superpower, rather than getting frustrated and bang heads with them and, and be triggering each other, which happens, use the gift of empathy. Put your arm around your child and say, oh man, I know how that feels. My, the most effective time I spend with my children often is the one-on-one -on -one time I have with them when it's the end of the day and they're laying in their bed and I come and lay down next to them. This is very difficult at times because we're tired by the end of the day and we're just like, go to bed, you know. It's, but honestly, if you use this time, if you lay down next to your child and just simply listen and just let them talk things out, ask inspired questions, not just how was your day? You know, we're ADHD. We can be better than that. We can ask much more creative questions than that. Ask them off the wall questions. They'll usually like that. And then just listen. And I promise you that if they express a frustration regarding the downside of their gift of ADHD or the cost associated with it, express empathy first. Say, oh man, we are so readily, we jump on solutions so quickly with our children. Well, well, you know, you should stop thinking about that or just do this or try this, you know, and, and that's, that's fine, you know, but except for that's really not what they want to hear. At first, just be like, oh man, I know how that feels. And then use the, the three words I love. These are my three favorite words in any social setting and in parenting too. They are, tell me more. You will have, because of your ADHD mind, I'm the same way, you will have the tendency to jump in and hijack the conversation in an effort to fix it or to tell your own story or whatever it may be. Back off, take your foot off that gas pedal, pump the brakes a little bit, and say the three words, tell me more, and just listen. And you could do this in social settings, at work, in your home, but especially as a parent. And then as you express empathy, I promise you the relationship you will have with your children improves dramatically. And magically, the relationship with yourself yeah. actually improves dramatically too. Because then you self-empathize and you give, yourself self, you give yourself grace rather than criticism. Yeah, and it requires a lot of patience as well. As you say, if you're a busy household, you've got other kids to worry about and to have that time and you add the tiredness to that, being a parent can be quite challenging. But I, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, so have you, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued as well because you've spoken out you know, openly about your ADHD. I'm, I'm wondering how that's been received in kind of your kind of musical space with other fellow colleagues uh, other musicians because not a lot of people will come out and say i've got adhd and being proud of it and calling it their superpower yeah. and we know all the kind of stereotypes that there are still some sort of you know things that you read online and people don't believe adhd exists and all of that how's that's been received just around your circles well um i will i will say that within uh within the united states as we tour around in the united states it is 
is usually met with gratitude and applause in my shows as I talk about it. And I'll usually get emails from parents that say thank you because they have their child next to them and their child has the same problem that I do, which is I felt broken. And so I get a lot of gratification from that. As I venture outside of the United States, I would say that the experience is different. I think inside the United States, we're probably over-diagnosing ADHD to an extent. And that has that has its ramifications, which we don't necessarily have to get into. But there are still countries outside the United States that as I talk about ADHD from the stage, it can feel uncomfortable because it almost is too much information or too much vulnerability, or it's like talking about something that isn't talked about. So it's a little bit more taboo. So I think we've still got a lot of work to do internationally. And of course, there are places in the United States where I'm sure that there are audience members that are very uncomfortable inside the United States too when I'm talking about it. But it as a general feel from the stage, that is that is what I've experienced. Yeah. You've spoken to so many people about your ADHD, particularly kids as well, your messages to children. That's what I like. If you was to sort of leave a message or say something dedicated to young people right now, what messages would you would you put out there for them? Particularly kids, young I people. I would say I'm, I would say thank you for asking this. I would say I am so excited that you are part of this really cool club. And I'm so excited that you have this superpower. And I want you to feel that too. And you may not feel it right now, but eventually I promise you that as you practice channeling this incredible gift that you have and use all the tools available to you with patience with yourself, being patient with yourself, you will do incredible things. As you place your feet on this path that will inevitably fall under your feet, you will find yourself eventually at a viewpoint or a vista, and you will wonder how you got there. And you will see this beautiful, wide expanse of gorgeous view in front of you. And you will say, I'm glad I kept working and I cannot believe I got here. And I will tell you that you have ADHD for a reason. It is important to your life calling and it will be key in how you pursue your creative art, whatever that may be. And as you embrace it, you will become, you will grow to love it as I love it. And you will understand and that is a weakness meant to be turned into a strength. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of young people mainly, they feel a bit lost, particularly in terms of career options, what route they want to take. And there's so many options out there. And particularly if they have ADHD, they might see it as a negative or it's going to hold them back. So definitely worth, you know, the positive messages that you just put out there. And I really like what you said about, you know, how once once you, once you embrace something and you look at like what journey can take you, it's just embracing it and just letting it guide you through whatever stages and, you know, paths that it takes you through. Um, some young people might struggle to keep uh to stick with one thing as you know they might start one thing move on to the next move on to the next i'm intrigued with you so you felt that you found your niche you found your passion and you stuck with it that that that's not easy for some people they might find that you might have to skip through a few things try a few things here and there but it's part of the process isn't it it's part of the journey you try things yeah you you go back to some things that you've tried before and but that's that's still okay it's still fine. You're still trying to find yourself. You're still getting to know yourself, what you're quite good at, what you might struggle with, but you will eventually get there. And and assure you, I love that. That's well said, Archie. And assure yourself, assure yourself 
I want you to tell yourself this, assure yourself that as you're patient with yourself and as you practice, I'm going to tell you a very important analogy that is really, I'm trying to formulate still right now. It's a very new analogy, but it's so key and important. Your mind is like a stringed instrument. Not everybody on this earth is a stringed instrument mind. We have piano minds. We, I'm just using an analogy here. We have piano minds, flute minds, trumpet minds, tuba minds, drum minds. We have all kinds of minds out there. And thank goodness we do. I love that God has given us such a great variety of people because that's how we can love each other so much and need each other so much. You may have a string instrument type mind. And here's what I mean. I'm going to use the cello because I'm a little biased and it's the best instrument in the world. Um, <laughs> but when I started playing the cello for the first two years, it was miserable. It sounded so bad. I didn't even want somebody in the same room. In fact, for the first six months, I didn't even play a note. I had to focus on posture and bow hold and finger positioning. I, I mean, there are some instruments that sound good right from the beginning. You push a button on a, on a, on a piano, a hammer flies, it hits a string that, if the piano's in tune, it hits a string and it sounds great already. You can, in one week, impress your relatives with a song that sounds pleasant. There is no way to do that with a string instrument. You do not sound pleasant. You can't impress anybody right from the very beginning. But yeah. here's the beauty of this. In those first two years, and I had, you need to have good people around you supporting you because I had a father that believed in me, even when the music, when my music teachers didn't, you know, he believed in me and he fostered this confidence and he insisted on me keep going when I wanted to quit <clears throat> because nobody would want to stay around that instrument for two years when it sounds so bad. Here's the gift though. Let's talk in terms of variables. How many ways do you think you could play the cello? I don't know what the number is, Archie, but I'm, I'm well assured that it is over a million different variables. And here's why. Mathematically speaking, the way my posture is, what kind of chair I'm sitting on, my finger positioning, whether my fingers are arched or flat, whether I'm vibratoing, whether I'm not, the pressure of my bow, the speed of my bow, the angle of my bow, which string I'm playing, how high I'm playing on the fingerboard, my thumb position on the back of the people. Those are only a few of the factors that combine together and conflate together to create all kinds of variables. This makes, at the beginning, the cello very difficult to play. And that is akin to your mind. Your mind is difficult to manage at the beginning because it has so many places it can go and so many variables. But eventually, as you practice and master those variables, you will discover this incredible ability to tap into expression. There are few things in this world that are more expressive than a string instrument. Because of all those variables, because of all those variables, you can growl like a demon and sing like an angel within a 10-second span, within one bow stroke. So again, at the you have to front load frustration because what the reward is at the end of the day, I promise you that as you practice and as you learn to channel and focus this incredible gift you have, you will find expression that is so replete, so prodigious that you will be able to bless the lives of those around you in such a profound way because you have the ability 
to be extra, extra expressive based on the number of variables that your mind is able to process. Did you, were you fascinated with music in general, like growing up when you were younger? I, I was, I feel like I was born with it. Yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like, uh, <clears throat> I feel like when I met my cello for the first time, I sort of rekindled the friendship that was in the life before somehow, you know, I think yeah. that there's, it was sort of a friendship of resumption. So I really think that if you go back to a Venn diagram, if you find, I, I tell you where you're going to find your best hyper focus ability. And that is uh, between three things. It's uh, if you if you draw another Venn diagram with a sweet spot, one of those is what you're naturally good at because everybody has things they're naturally good at. If you haven't discovered that yet, I promise you will if you keep looking. The other circle, the next circle is what you love to do because sometimes we don't love what we're naturally good at. And then the third one is what's sustainable? What are what are people actually willing to compensate you for? What What is the world willing to give you value for what you're doing? So I'll give you an example. I love sushi. I have a passion for sushi. Me too. I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. And I took a sushi class once and my sushi coach, my sushi chef teacher said, I may have been one of the worst students he's ever seen in his life. Okay. I mean, it was so funny. By the end, it looked so bad. It tasted even worse, but I love it. So I don't have a natural ability at sushi. I love it. And people would pay me to make sushi, but that third element was missing. With the cello, I have found, and my and my ability to speak and storytell and entertain the best I can, I have found that I'm naturally good at it. I'm passionate about it. I believe in it. And people are willing to, to give me value for it. So if you're looking for your place where you can hyper-focus on what you're meant to do on earth, God will drop packets for you. I'm confident about this. If you are open to it and you look around the universe, if you don't like me using the term God, let's use universe, but I'll use God universe or God will drop you packets and those packets will be symbols or signals or hints at what your work is on the earth. And those packets will be in three different areas, what you're naturally good at, what you're passionate about and what the world will help you to sustain. Looking forward, uh, are there any projects or goals that you're currently kind of excited about or working on at the moment? Yes. Um, I, we have three wonders of the world to finish. That's what the piano guys, um, yeah. I'm writing three books. I'm writing three books right now because I'm ADHD. So if you're writing one book, are you really ADHD? You know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm writing one book called Entrepreneurship. The myth, uh, it's, it's sort of like the myth that you have to sacrifice everything for success. I think it's a horrible myth that's out there. Another one is called uh, Resonate. I'm, I'm, uh, talking about how music can teach us about our personal relationships and our connections with each other and why it matters. And then uh, the third one is actually a fiction book that I'm writing in conjunction with my kids. It's a fantasy novel that we're writing together. And it's just a way for me to, to build my relationship with them because we love fantasy in our family, uh, fantasy books. And then um, I'm, I'm about 20% through a Broadway musical that I'm writing uh, that I'm so excited about. Um, and, and then I've also started keynote speaking. Keynote speaking is something I've shifted to. It's a new arc that I've jumped to as the piano guys arc inevitably will decline. Like every arc, we shouldn't be afraid of declining arcs instead of trying to bend that arc up with all we have. 
and, and be frustrated by that because it's impossible. It jumping to another arc that's related is kind of what the best thing is to do. And this is an Arthur Brooks theory, but so I'm jumping to this new arc instead of performing in 70% music, 30% storytelling, I'm flipping that to 70% storytelling, 30% music. And I've really found lots of enjoyment and gratification out of that. So lots of keynote speaking, some writing, and uh, I've always got 10 irons in the fire and that's just how I roll. And, uh, <laughs> And that's yeah. okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, keynote speaking, speaking of which, obviously, you came to the conference last year, which is amazing, because I think you were, were you like performing the night before? Because it sounds like you were doing something the night before, and you literally just came to, to come to give the talk at the conference, and off you off you went. That's right. I showed up to the hotel room. I was sandwiched between two other events that I was doing. Right. Um, actually, take that back. It was sandwiched between an event I was doing and then I wanted to get back for my son's hockey game uh, because right. I'm, I'm the assistant coach. I know that's a really big deal, you know, assistant coach of my son's hockey game. <laughs> it's my way of connecting with him right now and I just didn't want to miss it. So I'm sandwiched between those two things. I show up to the hotel like at one in the morning and my key card won't work. So I'm sitting in the hallway all night long, basically trying to get in my room. Finally, I get into my room. I get an hour or two of sleep or a few hours. Then I, then I wake up to an alarm going off. Did, did you hear the alarm in the morning? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. The fire alarm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm stuck on the 20th floor and I've got to get down to the keynote and I call Ari, who's the one that booked me for this conference. And I'm like, Hey, I'm the elevator's not working because the fire alarm's going off. And he's like, well, why don't you walk down? And I'm like, okay, I've got a big cello case, a big gag bag of gear and my suitcase. And I'm on the 20th floor and I've got to get to the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up waiting for the fire alarm to go off, which was like an hour later. And so I barely, that was really a squeaker, man. I barely made it. And then I got to the airport. Yeah. 15 minutes there to get on the airplane. Really? You, how, you literally yeah. like jetted off backstage. I remember like you received the standing ovation, well worth it, but a lot of people wanted to oh. grab you and talk to you after, <laughs> but you were off. It, sort of, it was sort of like a, okay, why don't we talk as I run? You know, so I, sort of, <laughs> I sort of ran and like, okay, thank you. Yeah, shaking hands as I was running. <laughs> uh, but your story um, in terms of Ari, I spoke to Ari a few times. He's come onto this podcast as well. Um, uh, it, okay. Yeah, he, obviously, if, if I didn't come to the conference, I wouldn't have known about you. But fascinating. I think it opened up my eyes to, you know, Stephen Sharp Nelson, the piano guy's world, after that conference. And, you know, so many kind of good feedbacks. We were talking about your, you know, your presentation. I've listened back to it. You know, obviously now it's available. Okay. People can listen back and watch it back as well. So very inspirational, I would say. For anyone that wants to see that, we'll be dropping a link in our description and they can obviously watch and listen back to that. So, yeah, I'll, um, you know, hats off to you for that. <laughs> Thank you, Archie. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. <laughs> do, do you ever sort of come over to Europe at all? Like, you know, UK? Oh, you said about the Royal Albert Hall. That, when was the last time you performed there? <laughs> Excuse me. I think it's been a few years. Um, we uh, we do not have any. We've we've been to every continent at this point, but I don't know if we have any plans for Europe right now. And and I have to be totally transparent with you. And I I know this could be disappointing for people, and I don't want I don't like disappointing people. But right now we're sort of backing off on international touring because. Um, it's just taking a toll on my health and my family. You have to be gone for longer. And it's, it's, I'm just at this fun stage with my kids right now where 
it is so fun to be with them and I feel like I'm missing out on their childhood and my relationship with my children is far more important than any career I could ever establish. So we've backed off on that a little bit. We've sort of pushed pause. I, I received some unfortunate news last year. I have a tumor that is affecting me that's in that's actually in my neck. And um, my mother passed away likely from this same tumor. And so it's very serious. And if we were to remove it today, I would lose my voice. So I've sort of asked myself the question, if I have a time bomb in me, what is most important to me? And that is going back to the three things again, family, fitness, and faith, like it never changed. Those three things are the most important. So I'm really watching my health right now. And then I'm asking myself an interesting question, Archie, and I want you and your listeners to ask themselves this same question. You may not have a tumor in your neck that's that's threatening your life or your voice, but let's say for a minute you have something like that. If you knew that there was a chance that you would lose your voice, what message would you want to share with the world and with the people around you? Ponder that question. That may point to partly, at least partly point to your life ministry and the thing that the, the your work that you have on this earth, because you have something to say that you feel strongly enough that you would put all of your energy into if you knew that your voice had had limited time, if your voice was on borrowed time. And for me, I literally am in that situation. So as I'm doing these keynote, I'm very I'm choosing my topics very carefully. And I want to spread the message. I want people to feel the worth of their own soul. That's number one, through words and music. I want to emphasize that ADHD is a blessing and a gift. It can be. That's a number two. And um, number three, I want to be a spokesman for hope. When the world is is so full of spokesmen for despair, where we are, I mean, out the ears with spokesmen for despair. But I want to be a spokesman for hope. And through music and through word, however I can do that, I am going to do that until my voice is on its very last chord. And that's kind of what I'm after right now in my life. And that's one of the reasons why I'm with you today, rather than the 10 other things that I've got to do is that yeah. I believe in you and I want to support it. And I want to spread the message that you are so invaluable to the world and nobody else can do the work that you have to do. And you need to have confidence in that and go out and, and feel pronoia, not paranoia, pronoia, which means you believe that the world is conspiring for your good that it's setting up things for you to accomplish this incredible work that you have to do. I can't do your work. Archie can't. It is your work. And I promise you that ADHD is part of that if you are blessed with this gift. And as you pursue that ministry, that life calling, whatever you want to call it, that work that you have to do, you will see lives blessed, find great joy and fulfillment personally, and you will make a big difference. Well said, and thanks for sharing your personal story as well. And um, I do hope that you do make a recovery. And you know, we, we you. love your your music and what you've achieved, and your passion about everything you've just discussed today, ADHD music. Um, and you know, I'm sure there's lots of people that are out there that still want to hear your story. And yeah. in terms of the keynote speaking, um, so that I'm assuming that you're doing that more just in the states, in the US. You know, kind of moving around and. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, yes, because I've, I'm, I'm just, 
I've been saying no to keynote opportunities, except for starting last year, I started to say yes. And what I'm doing is I'm backing off a tour and ramping up keynote. I haven't been invited outside of the United States to speak yet. But if I were to receive an invitation, I would love an invitation. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. For anyone that's listening that might be struggling with ADHD um, or know someone that has ADHD, what advice would you give them in terms of harnessing their unique strengths and uh, talents? The first step is recognizing that your ADHD is a spiritual gift meant to be an integral, indispensable part of the work that you have to do. That's first step. Number two is to analyze, be aware of, and in control of your self-talk. The conversations you have with yourself will make or break your life. Be aware of how you talk to yourself. Often, most of us would never talk to someone we love like the way we talk to ourselves. Take control of how you talk to yourself. Be positive, be constructive. Uh, there's a research report that just barely came out that said that if you talk to yourself in second person like a coach would, like you say, you instead of saying, I've got this, you actually change that to you've got this. It actually helps you because it puts it, it separates your self-talk and puts it into, it personifies it in this sort of, um, this, this personification of something or someone that you're creating that is outside of yourself. And they found that that's actually brought about really good results. So my find a catchphrase for yourself. I use, you've got this. I love saying that to myself. I love saying that when I'm in writer's block, when I'm on the pickleball court and I'm losing the game, you know, when, it, when I'm on stage and I make mistakes, I say to myself, you've got this. Find a positive personification of a coach and let that coach talk to you instead of some negative troll that's somewhere inside you. We all have trolls within us. Ignore the troll. Give credence and power to your coach, that beautiful coach that says you've got this. Or if it's another catchphrase, use another catchphrase. And then the last piece of advice I would use, I would suggest, is this exercise that I suggested earlier. I want to reemphasize it. List everything on a piece of paper that is of interest to you in the creative realm, in any creative realm. And I want you to practice going after each of those creative aspects and find where your hyper-focus is. That is a packet that the universe or that God will give you to tell you that that's a great place for you to pursue who you're meant to become and the work that you have to do. We live in a world where there's you know, social media, internet, lots of options. Do you not think that that plays a part in someone struggling to, to find that niche that they have within them, where you, you know, you have everything, all these distractions? Yeah, I think two practical pieces of advice I'd give Archie. One is that if you're not, if you haven't, this is odd, and I know this sounds odd, but it's so powerful. If you are not supplementing your day with magnesium, you need to supplement your day with magnesium. It's not, it's depleted in our soils. And for whatever reason, it is very good for the ADHD brain, especially if you're jittery or if you have like restless leg syndrome or, or if you're, if you're twitchy 
or twitchy at night, especially in your sleep, there are dozen, a dozen different kinds of magnesium. You're going to have to test which one works best for you. Just They're not very expensive. Just go through and test which one works best for you. It'll calm your mind down and make it a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more, you can master it a little bit easier. You could be the master of your mind a little easier and it'll help your sleep. So that's one thing. Two is screen time for ADHD minds is directly proportional to our self-destruction. And I know that sounds crazy, but there have been scientific studies and I have had personal experience with this. If you increase your, your um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stress the difference here. If you increase your non-essential screen time, if you increase, I'm going to say that again, your, if you increase your non-essential screen time, you will increase your, plaza, your possibility of more self-destruction. It's because you're going to see things that will trigger you it will it will make your it will overstimulate your mind and and add to the overabundance of attention that you want to give to everything and three it'll cause you to compare yourself to others and that is not good for the ADHD mind it is not good so i want you to deliberately budget your screen time your non-essential screen time budget 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 because if you do not it will run away with your mind and you will find yourself in a depressed dark state yeah yeah and likewise for young people as well that's another message to yeah. to put across to yeah. them as you know they are yeah. the ones mainly are you know glued to the screens and it's hard to get them even like to 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 engage in hobbies or like find their passion in other yeah. activities you can consume much if, of their time if you are entrenched in social media you are 10 times more likely to be suicidal that should scare the living daylights out of you. Do not let social media control your life. You are in control. Now, the way I approach social media is I do it in with an intention. My social media feed is built. I built it over the last year and I've made sure that I'm in control of what I see. If I don't like something, I instantly tell the algorithm, no, no way. Get that out of my face. If something gives me a negative feeling, I will tell the algorithm right away, I want to see less of that. I don't want to see any more of that. You've got to be in control because if you're not, the algorithm will give you everything toxic. Why? Because it's addictive. So the algorithm, it has no feelings for you at all. It has no interest in your well-being. It is trying to make money on you. And as a result, will feed you toxicity because it is addictive. So take control of your feed, make it intentional. My intention is I like to have creative ideas. And so I follow people that help me build my creative and, and give me prime my creative pump. I also follow a few things that help me amass some funny videos that I can show my kids to distract them out of negative moods. And I use them in my presentations. So I'll do that. So I'm all, there's always an intention. If I open social media just because I'm bored, I'm already, that's already, I'm already defeated because social media will win me. So um, be intentional about your social media use, budget it. If you do not have an alarm that goes off, or sorry, there's, there's an easy way to go into the social media app and, and, or, or on Apple and you can, you can set limits for yourself, but it reminds you, hey, you've been on social media for 30 minutes. It's time to take a break. And you're like, what? No way has 30 minutes gone by because we get lost in it, right? Set yourself literal limits through the app. If you haven't done that, you have to do that. Um, and so then therefore it's, it's like, basically, let's say you've got a box of donuts on the table and that box of donuts shows up every day. 
And that box of donuts is fresh and hot and it smells great and the lid's open and it's sitting on the desk. Well, what's the likelihood of you eating those donuts? I mean, you're going to eat them every day. And the problem is, you know, they're not good for you. Maybe in moderation and very slight moderation once in a while, they're fun. But if you have them every day, you're going to kill yourself. So what if I put someone in front of those donuts that folded his arms like a big security guard with big muscles? And he said, nope, you already had one yesterday or two days ago or today. You're not going to have another one. You basically have to hire that security guard for yourself when it comes to social media. Otherwise, you will absolutely binge yourself to death. Yeah, self-control. That's what I can think of there. Yeah, yeah. right. And you kind of have Just to assist that self sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how you, yeah, um, how you balance out your, like, those three things you said about, you know, your well-being as well, your fitness, lifestyle, yep. eating, all of that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about your cellos in the back there. Do you mind, uh, if you can anyway, <laughs> it's all right if you can't, do you mind just giving us a little play if you are if you, if it's possible to do it on on here at all yeah absolutely yeah sure yeah so this one i will um let's see i'm going to turn this on to original song for musicians here yeah and as a side note i probably got to call it because i got another appointment here in a little bit okay um, let's see here so this is um I love this melody. I mean, is this melody not one of the prettiest melodies ever? See if you recognize it. Amazing. <laughs> Let, let's give you a round of applause. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. <laughs> All of my cellos have names because I try to become best friends with them. That is uh, my 38th cello or something. I think it was made custom for me. It's out of Italian wood, 100-year-old Italian wood. It's His name is Christian, named for my father. So, okay. Uh, anyway, very special cello that very few people get to hear live because I usually use it as my recording cello. So there you go. You've heard him live. Wow. There you go, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> A red treat there from Stephen. That's, that, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Um, the other thing I was going to ask is, well, I was just going to ask you about your ADHD journey, really, in terms of, I, I think you mentioned about your diagnosis and then you offered medication. Whereabouts are you in terms of that tr sort of treatment side of things? What support have you had over the years specifically to ADHD? Well, music has been my Ritalin. I, I would recommend anybody with ADHD to engage in music. If it's totally not your thing, uh, that's fine. But I would at least try some low-hanging fruit. Percussion, drums have been shown to be positive 
have a positive result, even a 30% positive increase in an executive function and lowering hyperactivity. So drums or piano or guitar, use something that's a little bit easier at least to get into. Then if you feel called to it, get into more instruments, get into music writing. As you hyper-focus on the creative craft of music, it actually has been shown to be as effective or more effective in some people than any sort of medication that you could ever find on the market. And it's a lot more positive too, if you really think about it, because you're, that creative craft is going to bless your life and the lives of people other uh, around you. So that's where I found my best treatment is through creativity, through music specifically, but through creativity. And then the other thing that I'd suggest to people is <clears throat> because of the nature, <clears throat> because of the nature of our minds, we have to take more seriously the things that people take for granted. You have to watch more carefully how much exercise you're getting. You're going to have to do more than the average person. You're going to have to be more consistent with it. And you're going to have to watch what you eat more carefully. If you overdose on sugar, it's going to push you more, push you in more negative places than the average person. I do not eat sugar on tour, period. If I do, I get depressed. It is so crazy. It's because I'm pushing my body so hard, stress, and I've got so much going on in my mind, and I'm I'm amping up my adrenaline, and I'm performing on stage and having to be on. The minute I take sugar, the next morning, I'm so depressed. I have the darkest thoughts, and I figured that out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've tied it to that. So be aware of what causes you to move to a negative space and what causes you to have more negative self-talk. For me, it's sugar or too much gluten, or it could be something else for you. Be careful what you eat. I'm not saying you have to be some fitness crazed fitness guy or like a, or a someone that has such a stringent a, a strict diet that you don't enjoy life because I'm a big foodie. I believe in moderation. I'm sort of the Pareto principle, the 80-20, like 80 percent of what I eat, I try to make really healthy, and then 20 percent I have fun with because it just makes life more fun. But be aware that because of your special gift, you cannot use it as an excuse. You need to use it to motivate yourself to make sure that you are better than the average person at getting enough at activity and exercise and watching more closely what you eat. You just have to motivate yourself to do it. I promise you, your life will improve and your ability to be in control of your executive function and your hyperactivity or your attention uh, and ability to be attentive will improve. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I, I think lifestyle is very important. Dietary changes, um, yeah. you know, make sure you're getting the right sleep, um, looking after your mental well-being, lifestyle, fitness, all of that yep. as well. Yep. Um, before we end, because um, obviously we're going to post this on our social media um, and share with, with our listeners, would you mind just doing me like a, a short intro? Because like, we, we, we just need a reel, which is like 30 seconds yeah. long, you introducing yourself, say who you are, and just saying to our listeners that you are glad to be on our ADHDK podcast with myself. Anything along those lines, anyway, if that makes sense. I don't know that, what's the title of the podcast? ADHDK podcast. Okay, okay, ADHD Care. Okay. ADHD right, Care ready. Podcast, yeah. All right. Uh, Hi, Stephen. Hi, Stephen Sharp Nelson here, composer, storyteller, and cellist with the Piano Guys. So excited that I get to be on the ADHD Care Podcast with my friend Archie. Please join us. Listen in. I promise we've got lots of exciting things to talk about. Perfect. Amazing. That's amazing. That's really good. Um, 
once we uh, edited the podcast, do you want me to share it to you first before we, we put it out, or you 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 okay? Yes. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I trust you. Don't yep. worry about it. You don't okay. need my okay. When you do post it, make sure you make me aware of when you're going to post it, and you can actually do a a collaborative post on Instagram, and then I can I can have that on my feed as well. It'll help. Okay, so we'll post it on on Instagram and on the YouTube channel as well. Yeah, sure. Great. Yeah, is that right? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that would be great. Is there anything else you want to add before we sort of round things off? No, I think there were a lot of really great moments in there. I hope that you can get a good edit out of it. And of if course. there's any other thing you to follow up, you know, follow up with me. Just let me know. It's been I such a pleasure being with you, Archie. It's, and I hope that we get to meet in person one day. Next time I play Royal Hall, you've got VIP tickets in your name. Oh, amazing. Oh, thank you for that. That's amazing. And thanks for coming on as a guest on our podcast. And really, really um, interested in your journey, everything you've achieved, and your keynote messages that you've put out to our listeners. And I'm sure you will receive some positive feedback from it. Do you want to tell us um, just about your social media pages where people can find out more about yourself or the piano guys? Yes. And please, I really, really value constructive feedback. Um, those of you who are trolls out there, you can send stuff too. I won't pay any attention, but <laughs> there's no trolls on your podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I love anything that you hear too. It really feeds my soul and motivates me. I am actually prone to a lot of self-doubt. So I'll probably rehash this podcast several times, you know, in the middle of the night. And I'm getting better at that. I'm practicing being in control of that. But any sort of feedback of, hey, that resonated with me, I really love to hear that. So anything you hear, anything your listeners say, I would love to have passed on to me. Um, but in terms of socials, just look me up on uh, Instagram. It's kind of the best way to, to follow me. I'm not the greatest at social media just because I prefer being a dad and a, and a husband. But um it's kind of hard to do that and be way on social media. But so I'm on Instagram. Um, there's the Piano Guys Instagram and Facebook and YouTube channel. Um, and then there's Stephen Sharp Nelson. Just look up Stephen Sharp Nelson. I've got a TED Talk that I'd love for you. If you if you are if you've lost a loved one, I talked about how music can help you find that lost loved one. Um, and that's on that's a TED Talk on YouTube. And um, and then of course, if you're around, just keep looking. Stream our music on any platform, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. That's the most important way for us to be supported right now at this point. And if you're ever anywhere near a concert that we're playing, I'd love to see you there. Excellent. And and for the Piano Guys, the website for that? Thepianoguys.com. Excellent. Perfect. Stephen, absolute pleasure. Really enjoy talking to you. And uh, yeah, definitely we'll stay in touch and we'll connect again at some point. And yeah, when you do come to the UK, <laughs> I'll hold you to that. Awesome. Great. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. All the best. Okay. See you then. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye.